millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, welcome to the Future Rich Podcast. I'm your host, Barbara Ginty, and I'm also a CFP, which stands for a Certified Financial Planner. And today we are kicking off season two with Beatrice. Hi, Beatrice. Hi, Barbara. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. So let me give them a little background before I get into the questions. I think what's really interesting that we're going to talk about besides the regular issues with personal finance that most people have is that you have... um, you had a breakup with your fiance. So we're going to get to be able to ask you some questions about how that impacted your um, your finances as well. Because I don't think that happens that often. And I don't think people talk about the financial implications of that. Yes. Yes. I'm definitely open to talking about that. <laughs> so Beatrice, tell us where, how old you are, where you live, what your occupation, and give us about how much you're making. Cool. Okay. Um, so I live in Austin, Texas. Um, I am 32 years old. And I make about $75,000 a year. Um, I'm uh, in uh, uh, technical recruiting right now. Okay. Um, yeah. Very nice. And do you know what that works out to? Your, I, we were talking a little bit before, but what do you take home about weekly? Um, yeah, so weekly I take home um, $1,063. $1,063. Okay, great. And so, and just to do, so you're a 1099 right now, is that correct? Um, yes. So yeah, I'm a contractor. So I'm working um, for, I guess I can say I'm working for Google, but through a company. So like as a consultant. Got it. So then do you have any health insurance or anything taken out of that? Or is that you have to take care of health insurance and retirement and all of that jazz by yourself? Yeah, I have the health insurance taken out and, um, yeah, everything taken out. So, and are you in, are you in their retirement plan? I think it might be a W2 through this company. Oh, okay. So you're not 1099. So you're not responsible for doing your own social security and Medicare. No. Got it. Okay. So you're contracted through them and they pay, they W2 you, but you're correct through the consulting firm. Yep. And so do you have a retirement plan with them? Uh, no, no, I, 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 it's offered to do a 401k and I've done it before at other companies, but I'm kind of bad at that. So yeah, I need to, I need to do that at some point. <laughs> okay. We'll get, we'll come back to the 401k. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. At least you know that they have one. So that's a step in the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then how are you doing with, um, so you have four other 401ks from other companies. You have some savings. And then yeah. ha- how are you doing with debt? Um, so debt-wise, um, I don't really have much. It's just my student loans, Well, it, which is a lot. But okay. um, besides that, I don't have, like, any debt. And how, how much about do you have with student loans? Um, I think it's around 70000 Okay. Do you have a good handle on, like, where you have, like, what companies, how many loans it actually is, all that jazz? Yeah, so it's through Navient, I guess. I hate them. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think they're the worst. They are awful. So they used to be, I guess, Sally Mae, and then yeah. they were bought by Navient. And so, um, so I think it's around, like, it could be, like, four different loans or so. I, I essentially make two payments to Navient a month, okay, which okay. are, um, they both like debit, um, come out of my account at the same time, but they're separate payments. So one is for 233 and one is for 317. So it's about 550 a month in total that I'm paying them. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know, and I've paid more than that before too. Like, cause you know, I've been paying these loans now for since I you know, yeah for like ten college. years, right? Yeah, so I think it's been at a high of like seven hundred a month, and then there were of course times where I just stopped paying them entirely because I was frustrated. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, for for a while now, I've been I've been paying them because I know I have to. So yeah, five fifty is what I pay. And does it feel like you're getting anywhere with them? Like, do you know how long it should take you to pay off, or does it just feel like you're treading water? So actually, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I had stopped paying them back like when I was had just graduated college, or maybe a little after that, mm-hmm. because I was paying so much. It was at least like you know, 600 or whatever it was. And I had just graduated college. I didn't have a lot of money and, um, was trying to survive and paying like $600 a month. And I noticed that the principal amount was actually appreciating in value. Mm-hmm. So, That's why I hate them. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, wow, I'm like literally throwing money, you know, down the tube. So, um, then they were calling me and like, you know, coming after me, telling me they're going to take me to court because I was, in like the one percentile that had, um, you know, over like like a hundred thousand or over, because at that time I did, mm-hmm. um, and so I got really scared and I um started I paying. Know, I, yeah, I, I started paying, but then I I went they they let me do like interest only only or I've done so many different things I can't even remember what I do, but um, but yeah, I'm just I'm so frustrated with them that I just. Yeah, I've given up hope, so. Well, I definitely think that's, like, one area that we could take a look at, um, even if you don't have it in front of you right now, but we could do a little bit, dig into it a bit more, because that's where I see a lot of people losing a lot of money, because if you're not paying it the right way, and it's not that you did it wrong, it's the way they've set it up, you end up either treading water or the amount that you owe actually goes up, and so if you structure the payments a little bit different and you can find some money in your budget to do a principal-only payment, which I think I almost suggest every podcast to do a principal-only payment, it can help you tackle your loans much faster. Now, that being said, 70000 isn't something you're going to be able to tackle in one or two years probably, but rather than having it take another 10, you could probably get it down to six years or seven. 
That's not bad. Okay. Yeah. So if you save three years worth of payments, right? I mean, that's a nice number to not, you're paying over 500 a month. So if you have three years of that that you don't have to pay, you're saving like 15, 20 grand. Yeah. That would be great. I'd be really interested in yeah. how to do that. Because <laughs> the way they structure the payment is you're making two payments, but you definitely have more than two loans. And so they attribute the amount of money they want to each one. And so if you're not paying the interest on every single one, they add that interest back to the principal amount, the amount you originally borrowed, and then recalculate that interest. Mm. So you're paying interest on interest is essentially what's happening, which makes it, you want to have that happen in your investment account, but you do not want that to happen on your loans. Right. And I've actually remember seeing some of the interest, um, like throughout the years. And I don't remember, I don't know what it is now, but I remember looking at it and, cause I'll be honest, I don't, I'm not good at the, at the, Uh, clearly so I remember being like oh my god you know my interest has for one of the loans I think it was like 30 some thousand dollars had just accumulated an interest on one of them so it's like how how can you ever get out from underneath this yeah you can't get I don't think that you can get out from underneath it unless you come up with a plan because if you think about it at the monthly payment and you've had it higher at some points if the monthly payment you're making now you know, you've paid over the last 10 years, if you had just made that consistently, $66,000. So even at $70,000 with that payment, the way it's going at this point, it'll take another 10 years. We could definitely knock it down to be less than 10 years with looking at what the interest rates are, how they're applying it. The only, the reason why people don't do it is it's so much easier to ignore it, to like, it's frustrating when you go through and sit and see how much they're charging you in interest and see all the money's being applying. And also the website's not easy to navigate. No, it's not. And then also calling people is the most Ugh. frustrating thing in the world. And I swear to God, they lie. Yeah. I mean, I can't prove it, but like, I think that they do because I've been on the phone with them and it's impossible to get a straight answer. And I've read stuff that says the opposite of what they're telling me. And lawyers have said what they're telling me is not correct. And then yet they still say it and you can't get them to say anything else. So um, we, we've we worked a bunch with this um, attorney, Leslie Tane, here in the New York area. And she's really very good with student loans. Um, and so she even agreed that it's better to send, you have to have proof that you're making the principal only payments. And even if that means sending it sending a check with a letter because then that way when you go to fight it if you have proof it's easier to fight it than if you did it online so it, it's a lot of legwork to go and be more strategic with your loans but it's definitely worth it in the end because if it saves you 20 grand it's worth those extra hours on the weekend to get it set up right yeah for sure so we get we'll we're gonna we're gonna do that um but let's talk about so in austin are you renting or you do you own a home so I own a home, okay. um, and I do actually have savings, even though I don't have a 401k, so I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, sure. What do you have? Do you have, like, a, a checking account or savings account, like, online? or Yeah, so I originally went to Chase. Like, I went to Chase to open up. Um, I wanted to try and have, like, an investment account. Sure. Um, to try and grow some of the savings that I have. So I do have a checking and um, a savings and, like, a Chase Plus investment account. Okay. So... I put, um, so in my savings, I have, in my Chase Plus savings, so three different accounts I have, an investment okay. account, a Chase Plus savings, and a checking account. Got it. Um, and in my savings, it's like $74,400. Great. And then in my investment account, I put in 50000 mm-hmm. like, 
over a year ago, and it fluctuated up to at the most uh, two thousand, like like fifty two thousand. And currently, I just checked it before our call, and it's at forty nine nine eighteen. So that's a big deal because I, I I'm not getting any return on my investment. Do you know um, what you're invested in? It's um, it's basically like in a lot of different areas it's just the the main chase one where they kind of have these people that invest they are always changing it around and they do it the same for like everyone Mm -hmm. essentially um so it's in a lot of different areas do you know on a scale of like one to ten if ten being the most aggressive one being very conservative do you know what you picked yeah i'm in like the very moderate um like I'm not in the conservative or the ag- aggressive. I'm you're in, in the, the middle. middle. And then what do you have in your checking? So in my checking, I just have like um, it's, uh, right now I think it's like around like two thousand. Not a lot. Yeah, but I, that just so to pay your bills and everything. Yeah, I, I basically I don't go into any of these accounts besides my checking. I use my checking just to pay everything in life and I know I never dip into any of these other areas unless I need to or I'll pay it back so I try to keep it just keep it there keep it there no that's smart and then now you said you had did you have any former 401ks hanging out there floating around I've had yeah I've done 401ks before but I'll tell you I don't think that they're ever um like nothing I don't think there's too much in any of them I do need to go back and kind of merge all of them together and figure out where they even are. Yeah, find them. <laughs> but it was like back when I was working in like uh, retail management and I had done it a little bit, but it I, I put like maybe like the lowest percentage I could possibly put because, you know, I was trying to like live in New York City and pay rent there mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. So um, anyway, the point is there's not much in, in there, but there is something, so – yeah, it would be good just to know where they are. Yeah. And like what way. and like what you have in them. Even if it ends up only being I mean two thousand dollars, right? It's still your money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I gotta track them down. You gotta find <laughs> them. They float around out there for a while. A lot of people have them. It's so funny. Yeah. Um <laughs> Okay, well so that's great. So you have a, definitely have plenty of money for emergency funds. Um and then your investment account. So I have a question. What would you say you spend? What What is your housing cost? So you, you own your own home, you said? Yes. Yeah, so I own my own home. Okay. And my mortgage is about um, $1,985 a month. Um, Does that include, that's just the mortgage or that escrow, so have taxes and? So that's, that's the whole, the whole thing. What I say. So I think it includes everything. Okay. And then... The interest is 3.875. Great. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's not bad. And you got, did you do a 30-year? I think, hold on, I actually pulled up my account in case I needed to reference anything. Sure. I don't know, actually. I'm going to sound really dumb right now and say no, I don't know. No, not. You don't sound dumb at all. Most but people it, don't know. I'm assuming you did either a 15-year or 30-year fixed. I'm assuming, I, yeah. This is your first home, Yes. Correct. Probably a 30. We can back into the number. 30 sounds, for some reason, right. That gives you the lower monthly payment than if you had done 15. Okay. And, um, but in terms of your housing costs, it lines about up with what you're taking home every two weeks. You can cover your mortgage with that. And then, but what do you... have, um, roommates. 
Good. Oh, you have roommates, one or two? Two. So to kind of go back to the whole fiance fiasco. Yeah, so tell us what happened there. Um, Okay. So basically, um, you know, I do have a good amount of money in my savings. Um, Like I kind of went over, which is good, and I'm very grateful for that. However, I actually had more than that, but, you know, I went and I went ahead and bought this house because um, I we were supposed to get married, um, and I kind of thought that that would be the good thing to do. He kind of pressured me into doing it, and other people in my family thought it was a good idea, and it wasn't really what I wanted, but, you okay. know, you do things. Um, I know, and when you went to go buy it, you did it just based on your income? You did yeah. it in just your name? Exactly. Yeah, just in my name. Well, yeah, I actually, uh, it it worked out that way for my benefit, and I, I was trying to get him to be on it. Um, to be honest, uh, to try to get you know more a bigger loan and that. Yeah, Um, because yeah, if you had done it under two incomes, you would have qualified for a bigger mortgage. Exactly, like a nicer, bigger house. Um, and so thank God that didn't work out. Um. (laughs) So, <laughs> what happened was... In um, hindsight, it worked out better, right, that he didn't... Ex- yes, someone was looking out for me. So, um, what happened was I bought this house back in... I've had it for about a year and a half. So, I okay. think it was in, like, March or April of 2017. Okay. I think that sounds right. Um, and... Yeah, and then so April, May, June. Yeah, we were only really in the house for like three or four months. He um, left. Like we, it was about three months before the wedding where we kind of things were not going great. And then I thought we were going to be able to like work everything out. It was mainly financial related problems. Um, He wasn't making a lot of money. He was trying to pursue a career in film. and so quit his consulting job that he had where he was making like $120 an hour, which was a lot, mm-hmm. uh, and wanted to like focus on this dream. And I was... Uh, so then were you picking up all the cost at that point? Yes. And in addition to that, to kind of get to like the point of where I was left kind of in a financial hole with him, well, not hole, but just not in a good spot, um... He began kind of asking me for, he got laid off really from his consulting gig in the beginning. And this was like before we got engaged and everything. And he um, got, he, so he, there were times when he would ask me for money. And when he first asked me for money, it was like, no, I didn't, I wasn't really comfortable. But then I was like, okay, well, this is like the man I love. I'm planning on marrying him. Like I want to like be there to like support him. And then I know like he would do the same for me. Like I kind of just convinced myself into it or whatever. So obviously I didn't know what the outcome was going to be in the end. Um, right. Cause if you had known that that wasn't going to work out, you probably wouldn't have loaned him money. Yeah. Yeah. But exactly. when you're in it, it's hard to know what the outcome is going to be. Yeah, like, they, they say love is blind. That's yes. an actual, like, I didn't realize that was a real thing. Like, yeah, you, you become blind. Um, yeah, I would I would agree. And I feel like when, also when you're going through something emotional, you don't make the best decisions right. for your financial, for your financials. Speaking from experience, but go ahead. So, um, there were a few times when I wrote him a few checks, 
right? And these are checks coming out of my savings that I don't touch, like, for my own, like, m like moral or I don't know what, to my financial um, well-being. So you preserve security. that so you know that you have yeah. it. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm like, I'm not going to go in there for me, like, I, I'm not going to go in there for anybody. So, um, but I was going in there for him to give him some money. And so at the end, and, and then I bought the house and then I paid for rent when we had the apartment and then some of the mortgage. And so um, when I went back, so he ended up leaving and um, uh, like basically just like moved, like, you know, came and said, I, I'm not doing this anymore. Three months before the wedding. I had so did you already have everything paid for for the wedding? Because that's right before. Yeah. Well, yeah. But we were doing a destination wedding, so I didn't lose out on that much money. Okay. Um, as much as, like, I could have if I had done, like, a more traditional yeah. wedding. Um, I lost a little bit. It wasn't that bad. Um, okay. But I lost uh, – I – I, the main uh, money that I also spent was on um, a wedding dress. That was the main. And that I was still, your big spend. I still got to figure out what I'm going to do with that thing. But um, <laughs> yeah, Is it in your closet? Where do you have it? It's in my closet. And it was, I like spent way too much money on this dress. Like. Oh, that has to be. Like, was that like so heartbreaking to have it there and then be like. <sighs> yeah. And then like, I thought I was going to like still want to wear it. And now it's like. I've changed so much since I've just, like, gone through so much since then. I'm kind of, like, I don't even think I, like, want, I'm, like, why did I spend that much on this dress? Like, I mean, it's gorgeous, but it's, like, that's just crazy. I don't know. Hi, so. Well, it's hindsight. I mean, yeah. but, yeah, I mean, I would definitely, if you don't want to keep it, and I could see not wanting to now because I'm sure, I mean, when you go through something like that, it changes you completely. You're a totally yeah. different person after an experience like that. So it's just kind of like a pain in the ass to like go through like how do I sell it like go on all these they have a ton of um resell that's right for bridal but it's just like you know it's just kind of just a pain to it just seems like a little daunting of a task so I haven't gotten around to it yeah I wouldn't but, do that till you're ready yeah but so that was a big expense so anyway so when I went through um all of you know, he, he had, he knows, he knew that he like owed me all this money. And the plan was that at one point, um, I was going to be able to, I really wanted to like quit my job too. Mm -hmm. That was the other thing. My job that I used to have, um, not the current one. I was really unhappy in that. And so that's kind of why I rushed into buying this house. I should go back and say that. Okay. Because he was, um, self-employed and is self-employed. And in order to buy a house, I was the one that had the means. And if I because if you're self-employed, yeah, they want to see consistent yeah. income in order to qualify for a mortgage. Right. So I should have said that. So that was another reason why I rushed into kind of buying this house and got kind of. I was thinking this is what I should do. This is what we should do for us. So did that, um, and then. Like I said, then he had left, and I had been throughout a couple of these years writing him, like giving him money in addition to just paying for everything. So what I could do at this point when he decided to leave is all my only option was to go back and actually add up the actual checks or money, the paper trail that I could find. Right. I can't go and add dinner Cat, or yeah. whatever. So the the amount that I came up that I could physically tangibly find as a paper trail 
um, for what I had written to him was about um, a little over $15,000. Okay. So um, that's like writing a check for 2000 here, whatever. Yeah, so I'll add it up. He actually pays, I made before he um, was able to like come and get his shit from the house. Yeah. I made him sign this contract that he would pay me back. That's awesome. That was smart because you had leverage at that point. Yeah. So the so he has been paying me back now for um, a year, and the and but all he would we came he actually um, we came up with it kind of together, and he the only amount that he could afford to pay because he's a freaking idiot is five hundred dollars a month. Um, even though he's like a forty-three-year-old man with like a child from a previous marriage, so um, oops, what? What? <laughs> uh, so anyway, he pays me five hundred dollars. He's gonna be paying you for thirty months. He's gonna be paying you for almost three years. So every freaking month, I have to remember this, and then of course he never pays me on time. I've been dealing with this for now like a year, I guess it's been that he's been paying because he started paying in September of uh that's what the, we made the contract he left in july he's like okay. i can start making payments in september of this was last year he's so you have a year and a half left it's two and a half years he's going to be paying you yeah and every month i'm like looking to see if he's gonna if he's actually gonna do it because he he pays like he, he's supposed to pay on the first and he never does it's always on like the eighth or the ninth and i'm like is it not gonna come this month like it's just so stressful so it's annoying but that's that that's that weird financial drama with that. So um, I think before I was gonna also mention that um, so I get five hundred dollars a month from for, for him. him. We hope. We hope for the next year and a half. Yeah. If he keeps hope. it up. Um, but, and then but then you took so you took the caveat is that in the contract, which I had to let be in there or else I risked not getting any money back, he wanted me to put in that I would give back the ring once he has paid his debt down to 5000 So how is that even going to work? I'm well, not... I wouldn't give him the ring back until he's paid you all the money. I know, like, because then he's probably just not going to give it. So anyway, I'm just letting that be, and then we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it kind of thing. I but... think maybe what you could say is because he hasn't made timely payments, I would track how often he's late. To say because he hasn't made timely payments that you want to continue when he's paid down his entire debt, you will give him the ring back. Yeah, because I'm not, I never charged him interest. Like, that, that, and that's, I think you should bring that up and the fact that he's not timely. Like, for you to be getting that amount of money over two and a half years, you're losing the, the val, you're losing the present value of it, right? You could do a lot more with it because you're not getting interest on it. Right. And it's taking two and a half years to recover it. So, yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't give him the ring at all until he's paid you everything because my guess is if he gets the ring back, he still has no reason to pay. Exactly. And if he can only afford $500 a month, it sounds like he's scraping it together to get it to you. So if it comes down to something else he'd rather spend his money on, I would guess he wouldn't have any, there'd be no, nothing, no consequence for him to not continue paying you. Because the contract you'd have to go to court to enforce. And I, that's never, I don't think that's even going to hold up. Like, right. I don't... Yeah, I would keep that ring and I would not give it to him until he pays you back. Exactly. Yeah, that's my that's my plan. So and I'm not just a little disclaimer. I'm not an attorney. That's just my personal opinion. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I, 
So that's that fun stuff. Oh, gosh. So you went through all that heartbreak, and then you had to get, do you decide to get roommates after that so that you had help with the mortgage? Yes, right away I did. So I actually had a room, one roommate um, I've had since he, like, left. So when he left in July, August, for as of August 1st, I had a roommate, which was, I mean, it's like, it was just so hard on, on every level because, first of all, I lost my whole future, identity, everything that was supposed to happen. Now I have, I'm in this house that was supposed to be this house with him and everything. It's so tied to my future and identity. And now it's like I have some girl from Craigslist who moved in. And I mean, that's a whole nother story. So I've had so many roommates, but now I actually have two roommates. Okay. Um, and so I am able to have some help with the mortgage. I think that's great. Better than one. Yeah. So it's a total right now of like, um, fifteen fifty coming in from between the two of them. That's fantastic. And then if he if he pay your ex fiance pays you five hundred, that covers your whole mortgage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. That's fantastic. Good yeah. work. That's a really really smart decision. I know, right? Thank you. You're welcome. That's great because you're I mean, building equity, right? Sanity. It's not the best for my sanity, but you know. You won't have to yeah. do it. You won't have to do it forever, and it, for financially, it's it really is going to help you a lot, even if you do it for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, that's so. fantastic. And so, then, what is your budget? What's your spend look like? Um, I've never lived in Austin, so I don't know what it costs to live there. But so, what does it your spend your other monthly needs add up to? Do you know about what you spend monthly? Okay, yeah. So I'm really bad at this whole budget thing. Um, so I put down a couple of things. So I got, I got the five fifty from Navient, and then. My car is, I got a really good deal on that. I leased a car. Okay. Um, but I also accounted for my auto and home insurance. So with that is like all together is like 356. Okay. So that just, just my student loans and my car and auto insurance. Yeah. is about 906. Then I have, I'm going to say it's around... In the summer, my gas and like electric bill mm-hmm. is probably about. I'm. A, I mean, at least it's like at least like four hundred. That's like thirteen oh six. That brings us to. Then what else do I have? I feel like I'm forgetting a bunch of other stuff. Um. Well, like cell phone, food, um, uh, gym. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Are you are you writing this stuff down too or no? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I have, so yeah, cell phone, 90. Okay. Um, actually, this is funny. I'm 32, and after um, my ex had left, um, he had the phone in his name. So my mom always thought was like, I had I've had been on her cell phone bill for so long, and when I finally went with my ex, um, I got on his cell phone bill, even though I paid it. It was like in his name, like so stupid. Um and then when he left, I was just like, I had so much shit to like Weird. stick through and figure out that I went, I was like, mom, can you just like put me back on yours? So I'm back on hers. <laughs> I don't think, I think I literally have had on all, like with all the podcasts, I think this is, like we're in 20 something podcast. Um, I don't think anybody has their own plan except for me. I'm like the jerk that pays for my whole family. You're welcome. <laughs> Oh my god, that's great. It's yeah. like everybody's on the family fan. Okay, so but that's fine. 
So that's 90 bucks. I mean, I do Venmo her. Um, that's more than most people, so that's good. She's good at reminding me, too. Um, it's impressive she has Venmo. I know, right? I think she loves it now, because now all she has to do is send the request to all of us. <laughs> Uh, so Don't tell my parents about it. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> so there's that, and then um, so actually, one real big expense is um my therapist. Oh, okay, uh, that's a good one. Is very much worth it. Um, and I definitely uh have to spend it. So that I go um, it's usually weekly, although sometimes stuff comes up and it's not, but. We can just say it's weekly, and then that's a hundred and seventy dollars um, a week, like for one like session. One session, okay. So then monthly, um, you are at like six eighty. Okay, and then I have also a personal trainer, so I pay um, sixty five dollars an hour for two times a week. So that's like what is that one? 35 you pay 65 and you do it twice a week yeah and you do so that's 130 a week so times four weeks that's 520 okay and then what else do i do you eat right you have have yes i do but (laughs) thankfully my job provides food so that's really good because um i don't pay as much as i used to oh Um, that's perfect but i also like yeah i don't yeah, you know, I can't tell you how much I spend on food because I don't really keep track of it. Okay. Really. 20. Well, so how much do you, do you save anything? Because with everything we've added up, we're about 20, I'll just round up, about 2700 a month because you're basically with the money coming in and the that covers all of your mortgage. So that's 2700 right there, and you have 1063 coming in every week, which works out to be 42 So do you save out of the 40, we'll just call it 4200 a month that you make? Uh-huh. So... So the answer to that is no, but like for instance, I'll save like when I get when I got my tax return, mm-hmm. it was like three thousand something, and I took all of that and put it into my savings. So like whenever I get or when I got, um, I'll get like a refund on some of my therapy when I um, send it back into my insurance, and it'll give me back like a portion of the cost. So for like right. a year, I'll maybe get like. I don't know, $1,300, um, back. So, um, that'll go directly into my savings. So like whenever I have extra money somehow, um, I do, but I don't, I don't save on like a weekly or monthly, or basis. monthly basis. Okay. So I kind of live pay, I guess I live paycheck to paycheck, you know what I mean? In a way, um, you know, obviously, I, I, I have money if I needed it. But, yeah, you, uh, have, you have enough. You have a lot of discretionary money, which means you have a lot of money you can spend on things that you decide you want to spend on besides the basics, right? So, like, after you pay for your insurance and your car and gas and utilities, you have – I think it's great that you have the two roommates because otherwise you'd be on a, a much tighter budget. You would have – you would definitely have to be on a more of a budget than you are. So you have a lot of discretionary um, income, meaning that you have – you can choose how you want to spend that money. Right. So I think the really interesting thing, I think the biggest hurdle for you, and you can tell me what you think your biggest, what, why don't you tell me what you think your biggest obstacle is? Like what worries you the most about your finances? Um, well, I should also say that I am planning to go back to school. I'm going back to grad school. Okay. So I also just paid like 
$1,300 for this GRE course that I'm taking so that I can actually try and get a good score on that in order okay. to get it to grad school. So that's going to be something where I'm going to be probably, I, 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 as you are probably not surprised, would love to not do student loans again. Um, and I don't know, like, I would love your advice kind of on how to do that. But I think, yeah, my biggest hurdle is probably like, um, what I'm looking to get out of this is how do I invest the money that I have, like some of the savings that I have, um, like I'd love to take money out of Chase that I have because it's really not doing anything for me mm -hmm. um, and have that money like grow. Like I'd like to turn like 50000 into like, you know, 200 or or more. Yeah, um, the money can definitely, the money, I think you need to look at how the money there, like what the risk tolerance, I think you probably need to be a bit riskier with it because you have time. And as you said, you've been really good about not touching it. And if you need it money, you have the other money available to you. Um, so I definitely think that you have, you're correct in that that was going to be one of the things I brought up was maybe being more aggressive with your investments and you should never buy anything or own anything that you don't understand, right? Because you have to understand what you own to be comfortable with it. So it's important that you know what you have and that it makes sense to you. Because investing is really not that complicated, and or it shouldn't be. So if someone can't explain it to you and it doesn't make sense, then I would stay far away from that investment. Yeah. It should well, always make sense. Because I didn't know, like, who to go with, and I don't know a lot about this stuff. Mm -hmm. So I figured I trust Chase. And I also sat down and had a meeting with them where they, um, one of my questions was, like, so I'm giving y'all, like, I'm investing 50000 of my money to you. I want to know how does that look in terms of somebody that has, five hundred, like, $5 million that they're investing in Chase? Mm -hmm. Like, how who's managing my investment versus those people? Like, where do I fall on this ladder? And so what I liked about what they said was, oh, there's no difference. Mm -hmm. If they lied, or if this, I mean, I'm assuming it's true because like, how could they lie? But um, there's no difference. Like we have these, and this is like a really, um, like just very low level way of explaining this. But we have like these people, um, stock investment people who are super smart, who all sit like in like New York City, and they're just like at their computers all day, moving things around, and they're moving everything exactly the same for everybody to the best whatever. Oh yeah. So, Okay, that sounds good. Let me think about it. But I'm, I don't know anybody. I, I don't trust anyone. Yeah, and you should be careful. Well. You should be careful about who you trust. It's your money. It's never going to be more yeah. important to anybody else as it is to you. It's always going to be most important to you, right? No matter what anybody says. It's your money. You worked hard for it. Right. So that's where it's at right now, and that's kind of the reason why it's it's there. I But it, like I said, it hasn't done anything for me it's right now it's down um from what I put in and then the only the most I've seen it go up in value is like gone from like 50 to like 52,000 and it's just like always fluctuating every day mm -hmm. uh, I don't like look at it every day or anything um but it's just kind of yeah I mean I just took that out of you know I was like I want to do something with this and I guess I just haven't gotten around to like really trying to figure out where is the best place for me to go just because I don't have any of that knowledge. Like, I don't know anything about this stuff, so. 
Well, that's why it's yeah. good we're talking about it. So a couple of things that I, like, looking at everything that we've talked about today, I think that definitely making sure the money that you have is invested properly is important, right, to help you achieve the goals. If you have a long-term horizon on it, meaning that you know you're not going to touch it, then you can be a bit more aggressive on it. And I would say long-term means you definitely, market cycles usually every four to six years. So I would say that you would want to have around that time horizon to be more aggressive and knowing that the market will go up, will go up and it will go down. It's not if it goes down, it's when it will go down. And we haven't had a downturn in a long time, so we're definitely slated for one. So I think from your standpoint is you want to make sure you know what you're invested in now. And then I would say it would be prudent to have more money to invest when we get the correction because that'll help you do better in the future. So when the market goes down and everyone's crying and saying, get out of the market, it's terrible, is when you have extra money ready to invest. Okay. That's the opposite of what everyone will tell you to do, but that's, the like, I made a lot of money in 2007 and 2008, because I put more money in when most people were getting out. Okay. But, so we can go over that a bit more. The other thing, though, that I'm nervous about for you with grad school is student loans. Right. So what, are you thinking of, like, working during grad school? Oh, yes, I am. I'm okay, thinking, good. Thank God. Uh, yeah, I, I want to do, I want to work um, okay. and go do, there at night. And the program that I'm targeting has classes from, like, 6.30 to, like, 9.30, or okay. from, like, 3 to, like, anyway, they have an option for me to basically be able to work. Um, and I'm just, um, I'm just hoping that I will still be able to be at Google um because yeah I like it there and it's it's flexible enough um Mm -hmm. and it would be just like the ideal situation so I think if you can pay as you'd probably have to go on a bit more of a budget but if you can pay as you go and not incur as much in student loan debt I think that that would definitely be worth it and do you think that what are you going to school for do you think it'll increase your uh, earning potential so yeah I'm going back to school for counseling um, and I really want to be a therapist. And I know that in the beginning, I'm going to probably not make as much, but, um, long term, like, it's also like my overall happiness and like, this is like what I want to do. And it brings me joy, you know, joy and fulfillment and all that. But also, um, I'd love to eventually open up my own practice. Um, and I know I pay my therapist $170 a week. So <laughs> I think I've. I think I'll be able to make, um, you know, I think I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think so, too. So I think um, my advice was would be, um, or my suggestion, really, right, because we're not giving true advice here. This is uh, more for entertainment purposes. But I would look at what you have in your savings and think about coming up with a prepayment of principal strategy on your existing loans to see if you can get those knocked off. And then maybe dip into some of that money to also make sure that you don't take out any more for grad school. Okay. Because if you can save yourself, if you think about it over the next 10 years or, I don't know, eight years, fifteen dollars to $20,000 there and then not accrue any more debt, that will be very beneficial. Because it's a lot of money that you could use for something else like starting a business. Right. Rather than just spinning your wheels and paying interest on it that you're never going to see. Right. Yeah. 
So not even, I definitely think it's really important, especially being a homeowner, that you have a lot of cash available because if your hot water heater goes or you need a new roof or something like that, that's, they're all very expensive and they have to be done when they have to be done. If you have a flood in your house, you have to fix it. Um, so I definitely think it's good that you have a lot of cash on hand. I think that you could probably use between probably about 25 of it and still have 50 in cash, 50 in investments, and then use 25 to get ahead on your student loans and use part of it for grad school. Okay, so you think I should take like 25 grand and put that toward my student loans? Not all. I wouldn't do it all in like a lump sum. I would want to look through your loans and we could come up with what a strategy would look like that we could probably get your loans tackled in the next five years and then also make sure that you have enough to get through grad school. I think working is going to be key. You're just going to have to be on a little bit more of a budget and keep the roommates. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I would definitely be open to it because I would just need, you know, like your help. Like this is why. We'll do like step one, step two. I just need to see a little bit more about the student loans and I need an idea of the grad schools you're looking at and where the cost is. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we'll do a little bit deeper dive off the podcast and then we can do a follow-up with you next year to see how it's going and what difference it makes. But then you have all you have all the pieces. If you think about it like a chess game, you have all the pieces. It's just how do you want to play them? Cool. I know it feels really comfortable having 75000 in cash, but there's a way you can do – you still have a lot in cash but be a bit more strategic to help you get to your goals a bit faster. Yeah, I don't need all of that. I think the reason why, like, I did that was I was like, I was so apprehensive to invest because I don't know uh, anything. So I'm just like, all right, I'll I'll just take like 50 and, you know, have Chase do it because they seem like they would know. seem like good people, good folks. (laughs) They seem seem like they would know what they're doing. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, so why don't we do that? So your homework is going to be, I want you to get me a better uh, snapshot of your loan. So exactly how many loans, interest rates, where the principal interest is. You have to do a little digging there. Um, and then I want you to, if you take the GREs this year, you're thinking to go to grad school next year? Yeah. Okay. So you're going to do, so you're going to do three things for me. You're going to get me more information on your student loans. You're going to, I want you to actually keep a budget for 30 days. Ooh. Okay. Hold on. Let me write this down. Yeah. Write this down. I'd like you to track your spending for at least one month, if not two, because when you go to grad school, you're, first of all, you're not going to have that much time anyway. So... So that that way you know how much can come out of your monthly budget for tuition. Is it 500? Is it 700? Where do you fall? Um, And then get me, I don't know, I know you don't know where you're going to go to school right now, but if I have a ballpark for a couple of the schools that you're looking at. Right. For tuition. For tuition. And then Uh we can come up with a good plan for you for the next three to five years. Okay. Now, question. So in terms of doing a budget, like... For 30 days what do you can you expand on what that like a bet like what that means exactly because I'm bad at that does that mean writing down every single thing I spend for 30 days or kind of what's your guidance on that okay that's a great question because I feel like I, I just throw out doing keep a budget everyone's like what the hell do you mean about what is well, a budget should know how to do that honestly that's like what we should learn in like college or high school but instead we learn like really ridiculous things that we never use ever use and we spend a fortune on those things um so if you want to be super strict about it and I've seen people go both ways I don't really care whether you are more general and it's a higher level budget or if it's super detailed it depends on who you are as a person like one of the girls on the podcast kept a daily budget she tracked everything she spent every day I probably don't do that um I'm somewhere like in the middle and so you can be on either extreme but I want to know 
approximately what you're spending on a weekly basis. So an, okay. a, another good way to, I think it's good to do it on a credit card. Some people like to do it on cash. So they take $200 out and keep all their receipts. So they see it. I like doing it on a credit card because then you can see, you can go through your spending on a week on your credit card and be like, oh, this is what I spent everything on. Um, mm-hmm. I would, That's probably what I'll do. Yeah, I would do it that way. Um, and then I would take a look at kind of like if you're bringing lunch or you're buying coffee out or you're getting your nails done, all of those things. It doesn't have to align up perfectly, but then that way we can see where you're spending money. Because probably what we'll do when you go to go back to school is figure out where you're spending money on things that you're willing to give up to get the graduate degree. Okay. Right. So to give you an example, when I decided to buy a business, I gave up a gym membership that was like, and taking taxis. So those are things that I didn't do at all when I bought the business. And I actually still have, I don't have a gym membership. It's something I'm thinking about getting back into. Um, But there was other things that I I didn't give. Well, I gave up a lot to be honest to buy the business, but um, you know, you'll, we'll sit down and figure out where you're spending money. And like the therapist is something you're probably not going to give up. And maybe you decide for while you're in grad school, you don't really have time for the trainer, or maybe that is a priority. And then you give up, you know, manicures and pedicures or whatever it is, but we'll we'll figure it out. But then that way you can look at it and you can, you can make the decision and say, okay, grad school is a priority up here. And like, this is down here and it's great. And I like to do it, but I'm willing to give that up for two years to get through grad school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then you're deciding where your money's going rather than just spending it and then, you know, at the end of the month being like, oh, I'm not exactly sure where it went. I had a great month, but then this week can be a bit more proactive. Okay. So does that make sense with how to track it? Yes. And I think it'll be easy because I just, I, I am not a cash carrier. I'm not either. So I just, um, I just use my debit card for like everything. Um, and so it'll be easy to just like look back on my statement and be like, okay, this is where... And it'll be, it's better if you do it every few days, because you'll forget what you did last week. So, like, inventory it after, like, I would say after, if you're not going to look at it at the end of the night, like, every three days, look and be like, okay, how much have I spent on food, entertainment, take a look. And I can send you, we normally do a little bit of a plug for the financial, financial rockstar class, but that workbook has a really good budget section in it. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very good. Does that sound good? So you have a little bit of homework. I do. I do. This is good, though. I yeah, like it. Taking control. We want to make sure that you get we get you future rich here. Features. Yeah. I love it. I love the name of the podcast, by the way. Thanks. Well, you can send it to all your friends when it comes out. And for all the listeners, please subscribe and like us and leave comments. And you can... Find us on Instagram and Facebook. So we'll call that a wrap and we'll see you all next week. Thanks, Barbara. Thank you.